Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for your big book study. My name is Nessa R., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Today is Friday, April 16, 2021. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 51, the very first paragraph that starts with this world of ours has made. Today's readers are Anne-Marie M., Kim T., Susan H., Tenzin P., Margaret D., Jason K. is our newcomer uh, greeter, and Russ M. is the host for the second hour. The reference numbers for yesterday, Thursday, April 15, 2021, are for the 7 a.m. meeting, 16768, and for the 10 a.m. meeting, 16769. OA Preamble. Over Ears Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting to our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a vision for you book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will, I will now ask Anne-Marie M. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Anne-Marie. Good morning. This is Anne-Marie M., a compulsive overeater, gratefully to God's grace covered from um, compulsive eating. The 12 steps of of OA. One, we were um, we admitted we were powerless over food and that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to churn our will and our lives over the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God to ourselves and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, we asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a, decision, made, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such, po- such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Anne-Marie M., and I will now ask Kim T. to please read the 12 tradition. Good morning, Kim. Good morning. Kim T., Recover Compulsive Reader, Denver, Colorado. 
The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in manners affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Thus, problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, I'll pass. Thank you, Kim. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature and then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the Big Book mean to us. To share, please press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the Big Book on page 51, the first paragraph only, um, that starts with this world of ours has made. And now I will ask, Susan H. to begin reading. Thank you, Nessa. <clears throat> Good morning. This is Susan H. I'm a real recovered compulsive overeater, recovered in Ohio. This world of ours has made more material progress in the last century than in all the millenniums which went before. Almost everyone knows the reason. Students of ancient history tell us that the intellect of men in those days was equal to the best of today. Yet in ancient times, material progress was painfully slow. The spirit of modern scientific inquiry, research, and invention was almost unknown. In the realm of the material, men's minds were fettered by superstition, traditions, and all sorts of fixed ideas. Some of the contemporaries of Columbus thought around Earth preposterous. 
Others came near putting Galileo to death for his astronomical heresies. Um, this paragraph, what I have in the margin by this paragraph is keep an open mind. Always keep an open mind, Susan. I, too, have been fettered by all sorts of fixed ideas. I convinced myself over my many years and many trials of how I could, how I could fix myself that I am so flawed, I will always be the fat girl. It's my life sentence, and it can't be changed. I am so grateful that I came into the last house on the block. Better late than never, huh? Um, I, I surrendered. I came to believe what I heard and that possibly a higher power could care for me too. And I became willing and decided to turn it over to a higher power. Um, I am so grateful every time I remember that I need to keep my mind open. The set-aside prayer helps me with that. I've leaned on it heavily this morning. That I can surrender and keep an open mind and have a new experience with all these things. And when I surrender and keep my mind open, I'm right where I need to be. Surprisingly, amazingly, there's a higher power that loves me absolutely and it's going to allow me to learn new things or old things that I forgot. I have that built-in forgetter. Yeah, I'm just grateful to be right where I need to be today. And uh, that's the yeah, I I pass. I have nothing else to say, so I pass. Thank you, Susan H. Although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day in order that others may share their experience too. Um, now I'm ready to take name. Who would like to share? Janet Bay. Got you, Janet. Colleen M. Lisa M. B. M. Lisa B. Linda D. Larry K. Was that Linda D before Larry? Sarah L. Okay. Okay, that's a very. Um, oh, Linda D. I got you, Linda. Um, this is a very good group uh, of very uh, polite people who took it easy on me. So I'll tell you who I got Janet B. Colleen M, Lisa B, Linda D, um, Larry K, and Dara L. So let's get started with um, Janet B. Good morning, Janet. Hi, good morning. This is Janet B, recovered from compulsive eating and bulimia in New Jersey. So I'm looking at this paragraph, and it's just kind of dense, like Columbus, Galileo, astronomical heresies. But I think at its core, it's telling me I had to challenge what I thought. And when I came around, I'd already, I believed in God. I had a very strong belief in God. And I thought he was there for war and poverty and children starving in Ethiopia. And what did he care about me and my weight and my throwing up? 
So I had to do a couple things. I had to change that and be willing. And for me, I just said a prayer and the prayer went something like this, like, God, I've always had fixed ideas of what you were like and what you wanted of me. And I'm willing to admit it's all wrong and to start over and let you show me what you're like and how to worship you. And after six and a half years of being in OA, getting worse, when I said that prayer, it was like a hand reached into my soul and yanked out the obsession. But I think it's because there was more, because my fixed ideas had to also change in that God wasn't my genie. God wasn't my cosmic servant when I said, okay, God, I believe. Now remove my obsession. He'll do it. In order for that to work, I had to become God's servant, as, as I guess a better way to put it. I had to start doing what I thought God wanted me to do. And the first thing I had to do was to get honest. And I just say this because for me it was so important. Um, I'd always cared so much, like, if I tell the truth to my sponsor, my sponsor's going to drop me, my sponsor's going to get mad at me. But that was making an idol out of my sponsor. And I had to put God back on the throne, realizing that I was better off being honest and not having a sponsor than being dishonest with my sponsor. Because every time I was dishonest, it was like I was writing a big keep out God sign over my heart. So my recovery started when I just made a decision that I would worship God the way he wanted to be worshiped. I would be honest and I would just do every single thing I was told to do in order to have God remove this obsession. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Janet B. Uh, Next up, Colleen N, uh, followed by Lisa B. Go ahead, Colleen. Good morning, Nessa. Thank you for your service and everyone that's done service today. This is Colleen M. from Maryland. I'm a grateful, recovered compulsive overeater and uh, I just wanted to say that this this program has saved my life and it's given me a a life uh, beyond my wildest dreams um, and some sanity in my life and peace so the sentence that stood out to me in the realm of the material men's minds were feathered with superstition tradition all sorts of fixed ideas and um, you know I tried to get this thing for for years I tried to to figure this program out, to figure out this addiction. Um, you know, you notice I, I, I. Uh, as long as I was in control, the wheel running the show, I, I just couldn't get anywhere. Um, what made me finally surrender? I, you know, I guess pain. And, you know, I was certainly the, the, the person that said, I'm just going to be fat the rest of my life. I'm never going to be able to get this. Nothing works for me. But I was not willing to let go of so many fixed ideas that I didn't even realize I had. And as I've done this work over the last several years, and, and there's a lot more work to be done, um, I just can see so much clearer. I've put down several addictions uh, as my higher power reveals them to me. Uh, you know, we got to get the food down. I had to get the food down because uh, I just did not understand how it was blocking me, as some of my other um, addictions were blocking me from my higher power. And like so many people in this line have said, I always believed in a higher power. I just did not, I couldn't figure it out. It wasn't doing what I thought it was supposed to be doing. 
I couldn't even imagine coming up with a new concept of one. And it just took a lot of a lot of time and energy and work. And today I can say that I do have a, a loving higher power who's softening my heart. And it feels amazing. And I I'm so grateful for this program because this has made a world of difference. This this meeting has made a world of difference in my recovery. And with that, I'll pass. Have our, everyone have a great day. Thank you, Colleen. Uh, Lisa B, you're up next, followed by Linda D. Oh, good morning, everybody. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And I'm in Greenville, South Carolina. And I do spell my name L-E-S-A. Um, Lisa B. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry. I'm a little disoriented. I couldn't remember if I said B at the end. Anyways, this is such a great reading. And the two words that jump out for me, spirit and superstition. And I love the definition of spirit. I looked it up. An animating or vital principle held to give life to physical organisms. That's what's giving it life and animation. And it says the spirit of modern scientific inquiry, research and invention was almost unknown. So they weren't really looking at the life-giving principle that is giving it life. Like what is what is it that's giving it the animation? And um, that just is so meaningful to me. You know, in the step 10 promises, we've entered the world of the spirit. And that that is where the power and the life is. It's really in the world of the invisible. And one of the spiritual writers that I love reading his literature, he calls it the infinite invisible. You know, it's this infinite invisible that that is giving me my life and my animation and is nourishing me and sustaining me. It's all the underworkings that are going on that I can't see that has the power, that has the energy that's more powerful. And then I think about superstition. So superstition for me, you know, I used to think if I just go to a meeting, that's going to be enough. If I have a food plan in my hand, even if I'm practicing the food plan, that that's going to be enough. I even thought if I'm absolutely abstinent I'm recovered I equated abstinence with recovery you know like I thought my problems were solved if I'm abstinent and again that's that invisible interior problem inside of me that's the problem you know I thought that if I have a great sponsor that's going to solve my problem if I have the big book in my hand even if I read the big book even if I memorize the big book you know my problems are going to be solved so it's it's uh, all of these superstitions, you know, that I thought for a long time. And then I just want to share the fears that I've had of like, I'm going to miss it. It's not going to happen for me. I'm doing something wrong. And I need to rest in that presence, make myself um, ready to receive this gift and trust. Trust that it's going to be in divine timing. It's not going to be in my timing. It's not going to be the way I think it's going to look. And just resting in that presence. And again, that presence is invisible. I can often feel it, but sometimes I can't feel it. Sometimes I feel like I'm in the dark, you know, I'm in that hallway. But um, that's when I rely on my fellows and I continue the practice. So I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa B. Uh, Linda D., um, you're up next, followed by Larry K. Good morning, Linda. Hi, everybody. It's Linda D. from Connecticut. I'm 
so odd to be part of this program. I'm I'm recovered for a while. Um, I think the thing that comes to mind is the word fettered. Um, it's a very nice word for the way I came to this program. I came very shattered. Shattered is a really good place to be. Looking back, it feels horrible. But the reason I'm in this program is because I'm self-destructive. I'm self-destructive with food. And when I put the food down, when I surrender these destructive foods, my thinking is self-destructive, and I won't believe that it is. As I do the steps from the big book with all of you, with a recovered sponsor, I found necessary to do that. Um, I'll see just how whacked out my thinking is. It's very skewed to the negative. It's very material. It's what's here now. Now, that can be very practical. I'm not saying it isn't here. But what was said before about spirit, that's the last thing I would have thought was true, and it is the first thing. As I've said many times, I was an atheist. I didn't want to admit it because I wouldn't be part of the club, you know, the club. Uh, but the truth is I gave it lip service, and it didn't work, crash and burn over and over until I did what you told me to do. And it doesn't look like it'll work, or it won't work for me, or here's the big one. God isn't real, not really real. God is or really real, whatever you want to call the force, it's really real. Even quantum physics in today's world tells us that spirit, this activity, this vital force, is in every level of life, and it's multidimensional, which means um, shut up, Linda, and ask this spirit to guide you today. And it does, or he or she, however you see it. Give this a whirl. This is the only thing that works for me, maybe for you. Thanks. I pass. Thank you, uh, Linda D. Larry K., your turn, and followed by Dara L. Hey, Nessa. Good morning. Uh, it's Larry K. Uh, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. I'm down in Phoenix, where it's going to be like 390 degrees today. <laughs> um, so it says, in the realm of the material, men's minds were fettered, you know, confined by superstition, tradition, and all sorts of fixed ideas. And I, I too, was just as fettered from the idea that a higher power was going to fix this issue with food. I just didn't see it. Why, why was that so? Well, because for me, no matter how healthy, psychologically well-adjusted or, or successful one was, until we take our, you know, our, our, our dying breath as human beings, I felt we remain vulnerable to undeserved events, you know, that can suddenly blindside us. I was vulnerable. It's going to blindside me, and, and this is an unjust world in my mind, e even believing that there may be a higher power. So because of that, 
I closed my mind off from, you know, from a consideration that, God, that there could be a God that could direct my life in the face of calamity, in the face of tragedy, in the face of misfortune. I mean, you, you know, I come here and you're telling me to believe. Let me, get, let, let me see if I get this right. You're telling me to believe in a higher power. Um, to help me with, the, with my problem with food, while at the same, that very same higher power allows innocent children to die. Every day of the week, I see bad stuff happen to otherwise innocent people. Is that the higher power that's going to save me from food? Really? And this is the conundrum of why. You know, if the universe was created and is governed by a, a God who is a, who is a good and loving, you know, entity there's nonetheless so much suffering and pain in it and and this is where this is where i arrived faced with this conundrum and the god of my understanding today is benevolent but doesn't prevent evil yeah that's true god does his best it it's best uh with the people in the midst of their suffering but is not fully able to prevent it that's that's a god but here's the way i look at it perhaps bad things do happen to us in our lives and, 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 and do not necessarily have a deeper meaning when, when they happen to us, because they're going to happen to us. But we can redeem these tragedies from senselessness by imposing meaning on them. And the better question for me was, now that this has happened to me, what am I going to do about it? How am I going to cooperate? This program asked me to let my imagination range to what I may suppose is God's ultimate, utmost limit. And I will find him present there. Strain as I will, there's always a further horizon, you know, further stretch horizon towards which I can strain to. And I needed Fine. to get a deeper, deeper, more profound picture of this higher power. And that's what the steps does for me. So grateful. Thanks so much, Nessa. With that, I pass. Thank you, Larry. Um, Dara L., you're up next, and then we'll take some more names. Oh, great. Thank you so much. I'm Dara L. I'm recovered in Philadelphia. And um, so looking at this paragraph, I thought about the intellect of men in those days was equal to the best of today. Well, the truth is, is that my intellect um, is equal to the intellect that I had coming into this program before getting recovered, um, before turning my will and my life over to the care of my conception of a higher power. I have no more mental ability um, than than I did when when I came in here. Um, And so how does this work, right? Um, I was talking about in the realm of the material, men's minds were fettered by superstition, tradition, and all sorts of fixed ideas. I have so many fixed ideas. And as a result of those fixed ideas, I came near to putting myself to death. Um, You know, and this morning I had such a beautiful experience where I I stepped on the scale and uh, it was not what I was expecting at all. And I was so grateful because, um, you know, the way I would have reacted to that in the past as an anorexic, bulimic person, a compulsive overeater, was to go back to my fixed ideas, to go back to my superstitions, my traditions, right? Like, how do I starve myself? How do I run five miles? Like, what do I do? And um, today, as a result of this beautiful program, as a result of putting God first and worshiping God only, you know, another thought came into my mind, which was, 
thank God, because I am also a sex and love addict in addition to being a compulsive overeater, anorexic and bulimic. And I just thought, you know what? Divine timing is at work because I'm not recovered there. And so maybe God is giving me, you know, some protection against my old patterns, my old traditions, which was I would put the food down and then I would be, you know, off looking for that love relationship, looking for that person who I could worship. And thankfully, you know, God is using my vanity um, to keep me safe and protected against myself in this program. And she's saying, you know what, Dara, take it slow. Like, it's okay that the weight is taking time to come off. It's okay that you're not where you want to be because I am everything. And so today I am so, so grateful that I have been rocketed into the fourth dimension. I don't live in the realm of the material today as a constant. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't get sort of pulled into my old ideas, my old fears, my own thoughts, my old feelings. But thankfully today I, I live with the 10th step and I am constantly inviting God in um, both, you know, personally just between myself and God and that direct line of conscious contact, but also with inviting other people to be God with skin in my life. And yeah, so I'm so grateful to this meeting and so grateful that, um, Today, I don't have to put myself to death for the fixed ideas that, um, you know, that were driving me. And, um, yeah, and, and I have no more mental Hi. power. Thank you. I'll just finish up. I have no more mental power than I have ever had in my life. And with that, I pass. Uh, thank you, Dara L. So we are reading from the big book, page 51, uh, first paragraph that starts with this world of ours has made. And uh, although we value your experience, we ask you to limit your share to every third day in order that others may share their experience too. And I can take some more names now. Ken A. Dawn S. Ken A. Adriana Dawn. T. Okay. Ken W. A. Joan M. One second, Lauren. Somebody after Adriana was a, a man's voice. Sorry, C. Joanne. Uh, Joanne. Oh, I have Joanne. Yeah. More More Z. Okay. More Z. Okay, so I'll tell you who I have. Um, I'll tell you who I have, and um, I don't know if we're gonna have time to all these names in but uh we'll we'll get going and uh those who don't get a time to share please stay for the second hour and you can share then but at least i think who i heard um uh jen a dawn s adriana t ken wh lauren m i think johan m sandy c maura z and Pete, Pete B, but I don't know that I'll get to the last few ones. But uh, Jen, can you um, get us started, followed by Dawn? This is Jen A. I, I didn't put my name out today, but thank you. Oh, well, I don't know who I heard. Um, thank you so much, Jen. Um, all right, so let's go on with Dawn S. followed by Adriana T. Hi, Dawn. 
press star one. Hi, this is Dawn. Can you be heard? Can can anybody hear me? Yes. Oh, okay. Absolutely. I'm sorry. Um, I was opposite with my. Uh, anyway, you don't need to know that. Um, uh, in this chapter, in this paragraph, I mean, um, Galileo struck me, and I realized that uh, the chapter for me um, should be uh, about not agnostics, but heretics. And um, I, because I realized that I did believe, but it was different than um, the accepted norm, the accepted, uh, uh, the norm in everything. <laughs> Catch me on the whole world. And then the uh, religion that I grew up with, I completely had different ideas. It's like I wasn't even in the mainstream so i was sort of cast as um uh the agnostic uh and in that role in my family which only a few people knew about because i was trying to conform so much that i think um i lost myself i ruined myself um but Seeing Galileo in this paragraph, the light bulb went off after 55 years that there's nothing wrong with you. You're just a heretic. And uh, that's all I have to share today. But I'm, it's pretty deep for me. I don't know about anybody else. But thank you for uh, letting me take up a little time. And uh, I'm going to pass. Thank you, Dawn. And next up, Adriana P., followed by Ken W.H. Good morning, Adriana. Good morning, NASA. Thanks for your service. Everyone, this is Adriana T., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Michigan. And um, Galileo actually stuck out to me today, too. I was thinking about um, how you know, he was almost condemned to death for his belief about astronomy. Um, and, you know, what was I willing to have myself condemned to death for? Oh, food. Food. This is, you know, ridiculous thing. Um, I once heard a preacher say that if you put a powdered donut in a microwave, you're going to be left with water and sugar. There's no substance. <laughs> and I always thought that was funny, and it always stuck with me. Um, but, yeah, just this kind of, you know, I've always been, I was always kind of just awestruck that I could have this addiction to food of all things, you know. Um, and I, now I'm kind of amazed that, you know, there's people that die for their faith every day, like, in our history, like billions of people have died for their faith. And it kind of got me thinking about like Bill Wilson um, starting the whole program of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, you know, he was kind of willing to be scoffed at for the God idea. And um, I'm sure people like laughed in his face like, oh, God's going to remove my alcoholism, you know. So um, I think, you know, it's natural in the human condition to have doubt and to, you know, majority of people are going to doubt 
anything that's physical, like when Columbus was saying that the earth was round and he was going to, you know, drive a boat across, you know, sail a boat across the world. And, you know, same thing with Galileo. And, you know, our natural inclination is to doubt things we don't see, that we don't know. Like many people have talked about, like our fixed ideas. And I just know for myself that, like, even in recovery now, like, that's my natural inclination. Like, oh, my weight's plateauing. I'm not losing any more weight. Oh, it's not working. I got to look at my food. I got to, you know, analyze things. Or um, just things aren't going my way in my day. I'm feeling some kind of spiritual dryness or work is boring. Um, You know, it's like I want to go back to my ideas and my safety. So, um, yeah, I just got a lot more out of this paragraph than I expected today. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you, Adriana T. And next up, um, Ken WH, followed by Lauren M. Thank you, Nessa. This is Ken WH, I live in Cary, North Carolina. Glad to be here today. <clears throat> Recovered compulsive overeater. Um, I'm just struck by uh, the incredible repetitiveness of, of this book. Um, Bill worked hard to just drive home certain principles, and this is one of them. Um, some of us, that in a, uh, Chapter 5, he puts it as some of us tried to hold on to our old ideas, and the result was nil until we let go. Absolutely, that whole idea of... Uh, I can, I can do anything if I put my mind to it. We can do anything. Man can do anything if they put their mind to it long enough. Um, all of that needs to go by the wayside. And Bill puts that so succinctly over and over and over again. And um, what I had to set aside for myself, and I appreciate the set-aside prayer so much, um, that I've I've heard myself say and I've heard others say so often I have always been this way. Um, that's just the way I am, and there's the implication that that's just the way I'm always going to be. Um, that's the way I'm wired, if you will, and that there's no place for change in that. There's no nowhere to go if I'm convinced that this is who I am, this is the way I am, this is my personality, it will never change, I will always be this way. Um, I used to believe that 100%. This is it. This is exactly the way I am. This is the mess that I am, and I'm always going to be this. Uh, um, um, I'm unfixable. And as long as I held on to that idea, um, there was no room for God. There was no room for a possibility of something new, different, something brand new. Uh, I don't, I don't recognize who I was anymore. Uh, I'm just not that person. Uh, once I finally was able to be beaten into submission and uh, let go of my old ideas, I was uh, teachable, and uh, God got busy. And I don't understand at all. I don't know why. I, I just know it's true, and I'm so grateful for it. Thanks for letting me share today. God bless all. Bye. Thank you, Ken WH. Uh, next up is Joanne M., and followed by Sandy C. Hi, this is Kim A. I was the first one you heard in the beginning, and you thought I said Jen. 
Oh, okay. Um, I've been trying. I've been trying to jump in, but I I keep getting muted. Do you, do you mind if I jump in since you didn't get me in the beginning? Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Thank you, Ken. Thank you. Sorry to interrupt, but I have to run into work. Um, yeah, so this is such a great chapter, and the more I hear people share, and the more times I read it, the more I realize this is really not about agnosticism. It is way more about our thinking. And the previous share just kind of helped me make this connection. I have a lot of interest in civil rights, and I've been to a lot of museums, and I've read a lot about the history, and one of the biggest arguments for not ending slavery, for not ending segregation, was, well, this is the way it's always been. Can, yeah. Sorry, Ken, excuse me. Can we stick to the 12 steps, please, and, and uh, leave the outside issues for, for outside? Sure. My connection is just that people tend to get very wrapped up in what, what has always been. And when we feel that, you know, well, we are just this way, and we're stuck in our fixed ideas, then that doesn't leave any room for um, hearing what our higher power has to say. You know, my fixed ideas got me into trouble at work. My fixed ideas had me losing friends. My fixed ideas had my mind leading me back to food, even though I knew what would happen, even though I knew I was powerless. So um, this idea in this chapter is that, you know, even if we think we know, a lot of times we don't. And we just have to be willing to um, crack open our minds a little bit because there may be some ideas out there that may not sound right or like they would work, but that, in fact, we really do not know everything. Um, and with that, I'll pass. Thanks for letting me jump in. Thank you, Kim A. Now, Joanne M., it is your turn, and followed by Sandy C. Hi, good morning, good day. My name is Joanne M., and like Nancy, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Sweden, sunny Sweden today, for a change. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for service, and thanks for all the shares today. It's been great listening in. Uh, I learned so much. And uh, what this paragraph tells me is that uh, I need an open mind to recover. I really need an open mind to recover. Uh, and uh, coming into OA from the beginning, I thought I knew stuff, and I thought I knew about recovery. I thought I knew how to work this program. Uh, so I took one foot in the program, and I had one foot outside it, uh, which made me, of course, you know, go, go out again. And to see again that this this doesn't work, uh, and it is it is the pain that I get from this, you know, terrible disease that that uh, that uh, that beats me into uh, uh, to reason, and and that I can uh, see that I I need a higher power to recover, which I did coming back. Then I jumped in two feet in the program, and I never looked back. Uh, I worked through the steps uh, quickly. I had a spiritual experience, and I, I recovered, which is a fantastic miracle. And today, I, I stay in the program by living in step 10, 10 11, and 12, and uh, having this contact with God. 
it's not me that keeps me abstinent. It's God that keeps me abstinent. If I continue to work the program uh, and continue to have this, this uh, conscious contact with him. Uh, so great paragraph today, uh, great chairs, and I'm so grateful for, for this meeting, vision for you and, and for all of you that are participating here. And I wish you all a really nice day. That's all. Thank you. Pause. Thank you, Johanan. Uh, Sandy C., it's your turn, followed, followed by Maura Z. Hi, Sandy. Please unmute by person one. Uh, I'm right here. Sorry. <laughs> um, hi, thank you. Uh, Sandy C., Fall River, Massachusetts. Really grateful. Oddly grateful to be a, a compulsive overeater today because that's the path to just um, what feels like uh, enlightenment and uh, getting just an inch closer to God. And um, I got moved to share one of my favorite words, favorite ideas, which is certainty. Um, I think as human beings, and certainly I do, I think some things are certain. And if the last year has shown me anything, it's that, ha, ha, um, things are generally not as certain as I thought they were. And, it, you know, I could look back on my life and um, there are lots of things that were certain. Um, I was certain this food plan was going to work. I was certain I could stick to this diet. I was certain I could lose that 100 pounds this time and keep it off. Um, lots and lots of certainty. And, and I find that one of the hardest things for me to dis distinguish, find out what it is, is a limiting belief. And um, when I am, when I feel certain, it, it's a clue that um, I, I, something I need to let go of. And um, how do I know when I'm being certain? Uh, my jaw actually clenches, and that's a great and good gift. A friend of mine says she wants to play poker with me because my face says everything. So I get this little clench um, when I'm, I'm digging in, when I'm, my, when I'm, attached to a concept, a thought, a plan, and um, that is certainty, and that is uh, therefore most likely to be not true. The other thing I've found a challenge with this time working the steps was honesty, like wh where am I being dishonest with myself, and um, that's, you know, that's a great and good gift to uncover those things and let them go, and I think with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sandy C. Uh, Maura Z, you're up, followed by Pete B. Good morning, Maura. Thank you. Yes, thank okay. you. Can you hear me? Yeah, perfect. Okay, great. Thank you. Maura Z, recovering in Virginia and starting my timer. Um, <clears throat> Almost everyone knows the reason. The reason is, as they say later in the paragraph, in the realm of the material, men's minds were fettered by superstition, tradition, and all sorts of fixed ideas. <clears throat> well, in addition to that, I'd say that superstition is always based in fear. So it was fear of the unknown and fear of stepping outside the norms those are the things that have kept me fettered, kept me staying where I was in the food, 
because I knew that no matter what it was I had tried in the past, it wasn't going to work. So why would I try anything new? And then I was brought to the 12 steps. And the 12 steps were certainly new, but I'd had a familial um, experience with them. And I saw how they worked in my sister's life. And I thought, okay, there's not much to be afraid of here. My sister got clean and sober and was so, and she died after three years. So I can find peace here. I can find something that's going to help me here. And that's what keeps me in the 12 steps. The fixed ideas from my past based in fears is what kept me in the food. Today, I know that based on my experience and my sister's experience, that by taking these 12 steps to heart, and working them, as they say, as if my hair were on fire, then I can find peace because in the 12 steps, I find God. I find my higher power. And that's the path to peace for me. It's in the finding of the higher power. And I can only find him, her, it, whatever you choose to call it, by working the 12 steps. It's just that simple. I was in OA for probably nine or ten years before I'd ever heard that the way to find a higher power was through the 12 steps. But, you know, it's God's plan and it happened when it was supposed to happen. I'm just grateful that it did happen. I'm just grateful that today I have the 12 steps. And whatever fixed ideas I had, I know that through the 12 steps, I can let them go. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Nessa. Thank you, Maura Z. Pete B, you're next. Thank you, moderator. My name is Pete B. I'm a compulsive overeater recovered today by God's grace and mercy. And I don't want to hold anything up, so you can feel free to just shut me off when uh, when when uh, when when you're done. So not, nothing I'm going to say is really all that important. Um, other than, you know, like, you know, it's been said, you know, we read, we agnostics, we agnostics, the entire chapter is dedicated to the, to the second step, right? Um, everything that we've read in the doctor's opinion and, you know, Bill's story, there was a solution more about alcoholism that all deals with step one. It actually tells us what the first step in recovery is on page 30 on the second paragraph. And the interesting thing about about this chapter is it tells us exactly what step two is on page 47 in the second paragraph. Yet we go on and on and on and we tell these stories about our transformation as a result of becoming willing to believe. <laughs> you know, it reminds me of the nature of the uh, compulsive overeater, right? You ask a compulsive overeater what time it is and they're going to tell you how to build the clock. They'll tell you where the sun rises and the sun sets and how the earth surrounds, you know, you know and how, how, how the planets circle each other. And here's step two. We needed to ask ourselves but one short question. Do I now believe or am I even willing to believe that there is a power greater than myself? It's on page 47. Like I said, second paragraph. The transformation that people are des- describing that doesn't come at the that doesn't come at the point where we're being willing at step two. That become, that comes as a as a result of the transformation that takes place from working steps three through twelve. 
from aligning our will with God's, right? From doing an inventory, from admitting to God, to ourselves, and another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. So if you're wondering why you're at step two and not feeling like all of these great recovered people, remember, we're asking one simple question. One short question. Do I now believe or are I even willing to believe that there is a power greater than myself? Done. Boom. Step three. Okay. If you believe, if you're willing to, you move on to the next one. And we're going to hear, we're going to hear, you know, with, with great passion and great enthusiasm about that next step. Right. But, but the, 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 what people are describing here does not occur with the, you know, with, you know, oh, I'm willing now I should feel this way. It, 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 it occurs as a result of working these steps. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks for letting me share. Everybody have a great weekend. Uh, thank you, CC. Um, and we have time for one more share. Who would like to take us out? Not everybody at once, please. Hi, it's Heidi L. from Toronto. Hey, Heidi. Beautiful. Go ahead. Hi there, Heidi L. from Toronto. I just want to say to all of you, all 400 and so, that um, I'm abstinent today, and I don't think it's a coincidence that I started listening to this meeting early March last year, and I've been abstinent since, and um, that's really all I want to say, is just thanks to all of you, and thanks to all of you for doing service and for this meeting. Thanks. Bye. Okay, thank you, Heidi. So we still have um, two minutes if someone wants to take them. Hey, this is Shannon from Durham, North Carolina, uh, Compulsive Eater. Can I go, share? Go, yeah, go ahead, please. Well, I was just thinking about willingness and being just being willing to believe. And I remember a long time ago when I first came into program, I was really struggling with the idea of a higher power and a fellow who was further along than me said, Shannon, are you willing to get down on your knees and just look up at the light bulb and say a prayer? And it seemed so ridiculous. And I wasn't raised, you know, to look up at a light bulb, of course, but, um, but I remember doing it and getting relief and results. So just, I think it's important to remember, or, well, that willingness has carried me when my knowing wasn't secure yet. Thanks. Oh, thank you. Lots of um, little short shares. Uh, okay, uh, we have only a few seconds before uh, 7.65, so I'm going to uh, close the, uh, this part of the meeting now, um, and I want to thank everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for today, Friday, April 16, 2021, is 16778, and we will now close the, with the reading from the big book on page 164 followed by the serenity prayer. And Tenzin P, can you please read uh, 164? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes, thank you so much. Um, with gratitude. 
Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.